Margie, I'm really looking forward to our discussion today that's going to focus on C-suites and why they should revisit a more closely aligned operating, finance, and tax strategies. And I know that our guests are going to really highlight that cross-functional collaboration and teaming and why that is so important in the current environment and so important for good business strategy. Yes, Julie, so many companies right now are focused on cost management. And I think it's really interesting that they highlight cost management isn't just about cutting costs, but it's also about finding savings so you can afford to invest in the things that are important to your company. So, Julie, let's talk tax. You're listening to Tap into Tax. PwC's podcast series covering current regulatory, legislative, and technology hot topics through the lens of our technical leaders, as well as process and technology subject matter specialists. This podcast features discussions with some of our leading minds around tax, trade, and domestic policy. Stay tuned to our regular updates and subscribe to our series to get notified as new episodes are published. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Tap Into Tax. This is Julie Allen, PwC's National Tax Service Market Leader and Tax M&A National Practice Leader. And joining me today is my co-host, Margie Dundashaw, PwC's U.S. Tax Reporting and Strategy and East Region Leader. On today's episode of Tap Into Tax, we're excited to welcome two PwC directors, Matt Kearns from our finance advisory practice and Jeremy Davidoff from our tax reporting and strategy practice. Matt and Jeremy will discuss why the C-suite should revisit a more closely aligned its operating, finance, and tax strategies, the potential benefits from this type of effort, and why now is a critical junction to look at a holistic approach. So Matt and Jeremy, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Julie and Margie. Happy to be with you. Thanks, Julie and Margie. Okay, so let's dive in. Matt, as a financial consultant, you work directly with CFOs, helping them achieve their cost, growth, and strategic goals. Can you start by sharing broadly what you are seeing with your clients right now? Yeah, thanks, Julie. Many of my clients have experienced significant disruption and change to their business as a result of the pandemic, resulting in both challenges and opportunities. In response, some are focused heavily on cost reduction, liquidity, supply chain management, and human capital challenges, while others are focused on growth strategies. The mandatory work-from-home requirements have raised further challenges about business operations at the functional level. Leaders of these groups have seen process inefficiencies and weaknesses compounded in this environment, especially in areas that require high manual touch and close cross-functional collaboration. An example here is having to coordinate a global financial quarterly close process remotely for the first time. Further, a common challenge that we've seen across all companies is maintaining a way to stay connected in the current environment. As companies settle into this new normal, they are reevaluating their long-term strategies to focus on revenue recovery and growth initiatives with a goal of running leaner. They are looking across the value chain to reset their cost structure and invest in automation. This trend is permeating many aspects of the business. It's not just about corporate HQ or back office functions trying to do more with less and run leaner with their internal customers. Businesses are also focusing on their external customers, ensuring that those interactions are meeting strategic ideals. Thanks, Matt. That is all consistent with what we are hearing as part of our most recent PwC Executive Pulse survey. You know, according to that survey, 76% of surveyed executives anticipate increased resource allocations for digital transformations. 
And Matt, what are C-suites focusing on as they look to run leaner in the future? Yeah, that's exactly right, Julie. Leading organizations are recognizing the need to run leaner, and it's not only about cost cutting. Many finance leaders are being strategic about cost management, tailoring cost levers to cut bad costs while protecting good costs. Companies should strive to be, as we term it, fit for growth by aligning costs with their priorities and overall strategy, investing in differentiated capabilities, and using traditional and digital levers to execute their core business. This approach is being used by companies that are looking to survive in this environment, but also by those that are thriving and are preparing for future growth while making sure cost structures do not get out of hand in the future. They are viewing running lean as a way to generate cash to spend elsewhere in their business and invest in their people and future. A few examples here of, of what more forward-looking companies are doing, you know, continually educating, engaging in scenario planning to evaluate various options that offer a broader view of their landscape and possibilities for success. They are building the capacity to be agile by using automation and other digital capabilities. This includes possessing the balance and capability that enable them to shift focus, priorities, and resources to meet changing circumstances. In this environment, an example here would be enhancing the digital customer experience by developing mobile apps, enhancing delivery capacity, and crafting more tailored reward programs. Also, forward-looking companies are looking to evolve to be more resilient and able to withstand strong external forces, quickly recover from setbacks, and stay in a position to benefit from new opportunities. This could include accelerating a company's plan to offer certain products using an online platform rather than relying on the traditional brick-and-mortar storefronts. And lastly, they are evaluating healthy trades, such as reducing costs in one area, an example here of cutting back on specific spend areas in order to pay for investments in other areas, such as critical digital training programs. Matt, I think that's a really good summary of the strategic choices companies are making. And they're making these choices, whether they're surviving or thriving in this current environment. And you appropriately highlighted that. Now, can we pivot and just focus on, are there actions that companies can take right now in the near term that will help them focus on a fit for growth environment, either things they should eliminate, replace, evaluate, just any actions that you think they should be focusing on right now? Absolutely. And, and, you know, while it's important to keep a focus on these strategic bets, we're also seeing our clients develop a number of no regrets that they can begin action on immediately. Examples within finance of no regret decisions include eliminating low value work, doing a report rationalization exercise and eliminating ad hoc report requests while moving the business to a more self-service model. They're also making no regret decisions around replacing manual tasks with automation. An example here would be installing small automation in accounts payable process to reduce the manual task by upwards of 60%, using bots to navigate internal spreadsheets, log into company invoice sites, process invoices, And lastly, companies are evaluating third-party spend, doing zero-based budgeting exercises to eliminate non-essential third-party spend. So overall, leaders need to understand what truly matters for business performance and how they can best deliver it. Developing a corporate vision and strategy that is expansive enough in times of significant cost pressure and dynamic enough for more enduring strength and agility is a fundamental element. This is critical for enabling the business to maintain overarching risk principles while supporting a faster-moving pace of business. Completely agree with you, Matt. Cross-functional alignment of strategies, objectives, and goals is becoming even more critical to an organization's success and ability to run leaner. Specifically for tax, we're seeing that C-suite priorities really need to serve as the North Star 
for any transformation-related work within the function. This is even more prevalent in 2020, with tax functions and C-suites both focused on cost containment and cash tax savings. Tax is also getting more involved in strategic decision-making, which can include analyzing the tax implications of potential supply chain shifts or other operational changes. For example, how do remote working arrangements impact state apportionment calculations? What are the tax implications of discontinuing a particular product or business line? How does the CARES Act impact your human capital strategy? Leaving tax out of the equation can result in less lucrative, sustainable opportunities, particularly when unexpected tax implications can put a drag on ROI. I've been seeing the same focus for many of my clients Tax is ensuring that they're doing their part to reduce costs. So tax and finance, they have a natural connection and leveraging common synergies between those two makes sense. If you go through an activity where you save a bunch of time in your finance department, but then the knock-on consequences are that the tax department has to spend twice as much time recreating that data point, net-net, you haven't achieved anything. So pursuing a more complete approach across these functions can be incredibly powerful, but sometimes difficult to do in practice because everyone's trying to do their part and coordination is key. So Jeremy, why don't you tell us more about how leading tax functions are leveraging their connection with finance to meet these C-suite priorities? That's right, Margie. Tax and finance functions are definitely finding overlaps and taking advantage of synergies. Specifically for tax, we're seeing a number of ways they're teaming with the rest of finance to drive synergies and cost containment. Number one, tax is challenging existing operating models. Tax functions are reevaluating those operating models, seeking those that deliver immediate cost savings while strengthening planning, increasing efficiencies, streamlining data, and making better use of technology. This evaluation often requires leaders to identify what activities are strategic to the organization. For example, tax policy and planning, and therefore substantiate resource allocations. For those that do not, also known as the non-strategic activities, clients are looking to shift those to internal shared service centers and or external advisors who have the skill and ability to perform these activities in a cost-efficient manner. When evaluating operating model alternatives, it's important to highlight that tax functions often rely on shadow resources to drive tax reporting, particularly in local satellite jurisdictions. These shadow resources often sit in the controllership function and are responsible for gathering, maintaining, and sometimes even producing tax calculations. So it's hugely important to understand the full breadth of functional equivalence when assessing target operating model alternatives. Number two, taxes investing in small automation tools. Clients are investing in small and citizen-led automation technologies to complement ongoing enterprise automation efforts. These tools allow users to blend, prepare, analyze financial data that is used for tax reporting purposes. This leads to significant reduction in manual data-driven processes and provides quick wins and relatively low spend to the organization. Number three, tax is focused on virtual collaboration teaming. Remote working arrangements have accentuated the need for digital document management, process management, and collaboration platforms. Really basic foundational tools that allow the teams to stay focused and connected across geographies, functions, and teams. Yeah, Jeremy, that's important and it makes a lot of sense. 
It's one thing to be able to move and get your calculations done quickly, but then you still need to manage risk, meaning you need to get the answer right, and then you need to be able to support that answer, whether it's to be a controversy with a local tax authority or with your external auditor. So speaking about financial risk, while they're trying to move quickly and lean, how are tax functions dealing with managing the financial risk component? Absolutely. Financial risk continues to be an ongoing C-suite priority, so we would definitely be remiss not to mention the critical importance of controls and governance. Tax and finance both should be teaming more in this area. For example, a leading practice is embedding automated controls into your collaboration platforms. Both tax and finance should consider the overall risk appetite of the organization when implementing governance changes and adopting technology solutions, which are an important foundation for compliance and reporting processes. To share an example, I have a client who is in the process of redesigning its tax financial reporting process when the remote working arrangements went into effect last spring. We use this as an opportunity to digitize and automate the company's SOX and operational controls by embedding them into a workflow collaboration tool. This accelerated the client's closing consolidation process and allowed for real-time transparency into controls execution. Completely agree, Jeremy. One of the biggest challenges that my clients had when they shifted to this remote work environment was satisfying the controls and governance procedures, documenting those, mostly because historically they had had some of their controls paper-based. They'd all gather in the conference room, they'd walk through the calculations together, and they'd sign off. So finding a digital method that both tax and finance can leverage is going to help alleviate this issue. So let's pivot a bit. What about outside the finance umbrella? How are you seeing the increased alignment of strategy between the tax function and the C-suite, for example? I'm seeing a tremendous amount of need for tax to be collaborating with the C-suite helping provide the after-tax return on investment as decision makers are trying to navigate their exit from this challenging economic period. So Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Certainly, Margie. A number of factors are converging that are impacting the tax and C-suite relationship. The need for collaboration is going both ways. First, given all of the more urgent C-suite priorities right now, tax needs to respond in a timely manner with data-driven insights about the tax implications of various events on the horizon, such as business changes and potential tax legislation in the United States and around the globe. Tax needs to be fit for purpose in order to have the bandwidth and modeling capability to deliver to the C-suite in a timely manner. To do so, tax should consider adopting the methodologies that other business functions are utilizing in order to run leaner. That can include streamlining processes and embracing automation or digital assets to achieve the needed level of efficiency. On the other hand, tax needs the C-suite to be involved when it comes to setting the overall tax strategy. As you know, there's an incredible push for tax to develop an overarching strategy that is ready for public disclosure. Tax functions are facing the need to be more transparent, not only to tax authorities, but also the public with respect to their total tax contribution and their approaches to compliance, reporting, and governance. C-suites are becoming more concerned about implications to their brand and reputation due to the public disclosure of tax matters. So there's definitely a growing awareness of this need for business and tax strategy alignment. And to carry that on, another example of where there needs to be enhanced collaboration between finance and the rest of the business is when making decisions about a company's operating model 
and a build versus buy scenario. On what Jeremy just mentioned, I'm providing data-driven tax insights to the C-suite. Finance must decide whether to build those modeling capabilities within their organization or leverage a third party to provide. Many organizations grapple with this decision. Cost is going to be a factor, but you simply cannot have that one element drive decisions. Companies need to candidly look at their needs down the road, taking into account the broader strategic direction and needs of the business, as well as the rest of finance. This type of decision also comes into focus in the common scenario when finance functions look to centralize their transaction processing, examples here being AP, AR, and general accounting. There are multiple business factors and close collaboration between functions needed when deciding between standing up their own captive center or transitioning additional work if one exists today versus outsourcing that work to a third party. So Jeremy, this scenario is a common one that impacts tax teams. As broader finance goes to centralize similar transactional tasks, tax is often a component of what types of manual work can be transitioned. What are some other considerations and collaboration points tax should consider in these scenarios? Thanks, Matt. As with finance, tax is looking for opportunities to centralize or outsource various reporting processes. Primary focus areas include transactional tax and non-U.S. income tax compliance. As I mentioned earlier, these reporting activities are often performed by non-tax resources, so are easy to transition to captive centers or external advisors. We're also seeing a huge shift in U.S.-based income tax compliance. Clients are taking a hard look at their internal reporting processes and are asking themselves, do I really want to be known for filing tax returns? Is that the best use of our time, effort, and capacity? All great questions when you're evaluating build versus buy scenarios. Thanks, Jeremy. As we mentioned before, close collaboration between finance and the business and finding synergies to run leaner is not always an easy task, but it starts with an understanding of the potential benefits that can result. Cost savings can be a driving factor, but adopting a more strategic mindset when integrating technology, choosing operating models and resource frameworks can really get companies primed for future growth and be agile for those unexpected situations. You know, Matt and Jeremy, this is a great overview of the points that you're seeing and that we need to consider not only at the C-suite, but that we need to consider in the tax departments. You've highlighted some really important things here. Data-driven insight, looking at supply chain, studying our overall strategy and making sure tax is consistent with that. And then the different build versus buy scenarios and the things we need to take into consideration there. And also with respect to compliance and what is the desired function of that tax group? What do they want to be known as? All of the things that you mentioned, I'm seeing the same with my clients in the M&A space and noticing that that close collaboration across the business is really critical. Based on my experience, successful transactions involve coordination across functions, including the C-suite, finance, and tax, but it's even more rewarding when teams go to that next step and they truly try to find the opportunities to eliminate duplicative processes or to share data and insights and to integrate the workflow. So we're seeing that between headquarter functions, both before and after a deal is completed, it is really important to look at all these synergies and really consider those cross functions and how we can collaborate better and team better. And that really positions companies well for that M&A space or that M&A environment. So I want to thank both of you for sharing all of your great insights on this topic today. There's more to come in our Tap Into Tax podcast series as we continue to share insights about the challenges and opportunities organizations are facing right now in the current environment. So thank you to Matt, Jeremy, and Margie for your time today. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. We look forward to speaking with you soon.
podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.